Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kike. Hello, Jamie Van Kike here, and welcome to this month's bonus episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Each month, a bonus episode will be going live where I will be bringing in my friend, Chris Penault, so we can talk about a leadership topic that impacts small businesses. Chris also works with businesses to help them improve their leadership style and turn businesses around, starting with focusing on the team. In this episode, you are going to learn more about Chris his background that led him to the business he has today, which is a great story that you do not want to miss. And then we jump in to some topics to give you a little bit of a preview of what you can expect each month on these bonus episodes. So let's jump right in. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on today and agreeing to be a reoccurring guest on the podcast. Thank you, Jamie. I'm really excited about this opportunity. Sounds like you're doing awesome things. Thank you. So let's get started with you telling everybody a little bit about yourself, your background, and the business that you're running today so everyone who is listening can understand why you are going to be a great value-added guest for them to listen to every month. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, So usually the best way that I can explain this is to bring people on a little journey, right? And if you go back to a long time ago, there was a young kid trying to find himself, really confused, looking for any kind of thing that he could latch on to. Ended up running around with the wrong groups of people, uh, street entrepreneurship, as I like to call it. Did some fun things, but uh, probably a little bit more chaos than most people would like in their life. To traveling across the country, living a life that uh, was a struggle going from northeast um, U.S. down to southern California. Culture shock, just huge change, right? So it started this cycle of really trying to find um, find myself through this journey. Ended up, unfortunately, finding out California's a very expensive place to live. Tried lots of different jobs and careers. Um, and ended up being homeless out there. Uh, you learn a lot when you don't have a home and you're sleeping on the streets that most people don't get the opportunity to figure out. Um, but still, still, uh, if I remember correctly, I had a gym membership, I had a job even, um, and I had a storage shed that I got to sleep in sometimes, but you're still homeless if you don't have your own bed or anything like that. So I joined the military, uh, got to go travel, um, all over the country for the most part and did my time in the desert for um, some of the wars. Started to find some kind of purpose in there, but um, it was a very learning and challenging experience when there's car bombs and other things going on outside of where you're sleeping at night. So that was a, definitely a learning experience without a doubt. 
so as I get, as I got out of the military, I started getting into business school, uh, and I took this class called the Psychology of Success. It was a catalyst for pretty much learning, growth, and development that I never even experienced before. Uh, and psychology was always this four-letter word in my family. We had a crazy aunt that nobody wanted to be like her, so nobody wanted to get involved in any of this stuff. But then I found out what intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation was, how to build trust with people, how to have effective communication, all these things that I was like, oh, there's full classes and a full subject that's based on human relationships. It's amazing. Um, and I started taking what I was learning from those courses and starting to apply them at work. I was uh, working at retail in my time, at that time, working up the retail ladder, if you will. Uh, to the point where I was, I went from being a dictator leader. Um, the military kind of helped me learn how to be a dictator, I guess. Um, where it was hard for me to keep a staff member for more than a few uh, months, for the most part. I think six months was usually where people end up jumping shit if I could keep them that long. Uh, to a leader that really inspired, empowered, and engaged people, right? As I grew and developed, I took more psychology classes. I got more interested. Shameless plug for Audible. That's the best investment I ever made versus my uh, all the way through my master's degree. I think I learned more from listening to Audible books than anything else. But um, and I recommend that to every single person. But I really started getting engaged and starting applying all the stuff I was learning time in and time out. So I was working for a larger retail chain as a turnaround guy toward the pinnacle of my retail career. And I was taking underperforming locations, figuring out who was working, who wasn't, and letting people go, hire, recruit, train, develop, and pretty much create an ecosystem of people where the employees thrive, the customers love being there. And then I would go and I would do that over and over again for other underperforming locations at a cycle about every six months. So, I got to start implementing coaching at work, all these factors that I was learning about. I even went to go get certified as an international uh, federation coach um, through the University of Miami. And I got my MBA over at UT. So I got a lot of different education experiences and I got to travel a lot while I was kind of learning all this stuff. But it really, I got to see, uh, I went into IT next and in IT, the servant leadership was a big thing coming on my radar. So I was looking for a company that that was a value. Um, and I am a millennial, and values and purpose is really, really important. So when I was out hunting for a job, I was looking for what did the company stand for? What were the things that they believed in? And how does that fit with my new value structure, right? Uh, right. And in, these, in this role, I was like, okay, I started being a lot more aware of where some of the leadership challenges were, where communication was breaking down, where we lived in the values and where we did it. Um, and I started to really be able to see that there's a lot of issues. I was doing internal coaching for this company at the time. And though a lot of people get put into a leadership position, they don't necessarily have leadership training, leadership experience. Um, one of the best um, examples that I remember is we take an awesome forklift driver and now we make him a forklift manager. Now we've lost our best forklift driver and we have a manager that doesn't know what he's doing. 
So <laughs> yes, that's what I always say. It's like just because someone does the job well doesn't mean they can do the next level well. Without a doubt. So you get to see a lot of that as I was going through kind of um, this journey, right? And I was slowly kind of finding myself in my place. And really, the word that I like to use is my purpose, right? Um, so once I got out of IT, I was traveling all over the country. I was meeting with CEOs, CFOs, hearing their problems, hearing the communication issues there um, while implementing IT solutions. Um, and I was just hearing things over and over again about these issues, like poor managers, we don't have good leadership, da -da 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 -da, over and over again. Um, but from both perspectives, right, from the upper management perspective, but also from the boots on the ground perspective, and I was like, there, there has got to be a better way. There's got to be better environments that can be created. There's got to be um, resources that are needed to help solve these problems. And, and well, I'm trying to remember the specific wording, but it's something along the fact that there's going to be a, a talent shortage, right? I know that uh, the leadership gap, if you will, where as the baby boomers and as some of the Gen Xers start to leave, workforce millennials are getting pushed into a lot of those positions and not huge on the, the um, different generations kind of defining us but it's just the easiest way to explain it so it creates a vacuum now we're pushing people into leadership positions that may not have led people before right uh, so one of the things that inspired me to start centric leadership my firm um, is that servant leadership is the way of the future right it, it's directly in line with people's values and the purpose that I've come up with for myself that's been a long journey to figure out is I want to help people live a life of purpose on purpose while developing more servant leaders out there. And the biggest thing that I've seen out there in the community is the companies that are doing well, they're thriving, they get it. Your Marriott's, your um, LinkedIn, they're investing in this kind of culture. They're investing in coaching at work. They're investing in all these things. So I've been a professional coach for over five years now, um, and I love it. I get to inspire, empower, engage people on a daily basis. It's uh, amazing, and I can tell every time when I get off the phone with the client or I'm up from a meeting or I do a, a workshop this last weekend, that that is where I feel alive. Right, so that's how I kind of know I've connected my with my purpose and what's inspired me to start my company. Awesome, yeah. One of the things that I love about your background is that it, you know, it wasn't just a straight, really line to get you from where you were growing up to being you know, the business owner that you are today. There was a lot of things where you had to learn and adjust. You know, you had to. You went from being in the military where there was one set of leadership styles that was going to help people succeed to then being in another position where having that same leadership style wasn't going to work and you had to learn how to adapt to be in your, that new position. And that's one of the things that a lot of people have to remember is uh, one of the main things about leadership, especially as we go talk more about servant leadership, it's focusing on what's the best way to lead the people and the process and everything that you have there versus leading one way all the time. Yeah, there's some great models out there. Um, and I don't want to misquote it, but for instance, like Ken Blanchard has an awesome model 
and it's the SL2 model, where it shows the four quadrants of where leadership goes. And as um, you start in this leadership process, maybe you have a new team member, they need a lot of ample, right? They need to be, um, they need a lot of attention. They need a lot of um, engagement. But as they move along through the process, you get to the point where the clinical is, now you can just delegate it to them because they've grown, they've developed, and you've been with them along that process. So it's not a leadership model for everyone all the time. It's, hey, what's the most effective leadership for this situation? Yes. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And one of the important things about like what you just said is, Every position, every person you hire, they go through that period of needing in some way that hand-holding. And it looks different for every position, but it, it might you might go through it very quickly. You, know, you might have an employee that comes in. They're very much an expert in what they're doing. They fit really well into the culture. And it's that day one that you're setting expe expectations. You're teaching about the business. And day two, they're up and running on their own, where then other people you have to do that hand-holding for a little bit longer. There's a little bit more training. There's a little bit more to take them to really fully develop in the role. But just because it takes someone longer doesn't mean they're going to be a bad team member or a bad employee or be a bit, have a negative impact on your company. So it's like knowing and understanding that each person you manage is an individual and they might need something different from you. Yeah, I agree. And something I'll add to that is if we look at, um, I think I, I remember one of your posts, and it was around kind of hiring for values, right? Hiring for the person's soft skills is the way I would put it. Um, and sometimes there's technical skills that we've got to teach um, or they have to know to be able to come in and do the position well. I get that, especially with anything that's highly regulated. But once we get the right people on the team, like, uh, once we get the right people on the bus, we can put them in the right seats, right? So we have to figure out maybe they're not being engaged in the work that is truly inspiring them or that they feel they're attached to some kind of greater vision or purpose. And that can be a leadership thing or that can be just we, have, we didn't have a good enough system in place to figure out what this person's early skills were and how we're um, going to be able to leverage yeah. And I think that's something a little bit different about some of the clients that I work with versus some of the clients you work with. Because some of my clients is they're they're very small. They might have one or two team members. So if they get the wrong person in the wrong seat on the bus, they don't always have someplace else to put that person that is going to be beneficial to their business at that time. So that's why a lot of times like I work with my clients up front is yes, you need someone who can do the job. And you need someone who can fit into your culture. And we really need to hire and, and have an interview process that identifies both. Where other companies, they can be a little bit more laxed on, can the person do the job? Because if the person's really going to fit well in their culture, they're able to do more training. They're able to move things around and adjust things in order to find the perfect the the perfect fit for that person so the company thrives and that team member thrives. So that is one of those things like keep in mind, like depending on for our listeners, what size business you have of how important it is to make sure that the person can do the job and match the values of the company. Uh, and what kind of systems do you have in place to do that for you, right? Um, I, I personally think that there's got to be a lot of uh, – front-loaded 
thought work kind of system development um, that helps us think about it. So when we're asking those questions, we don't we don't have to combat that professional interviewer, right? Um, because now we can really get to the meat and potatoes of what we're trying to make sure that they have um, without asking those direct questions. Because anyone can take a multiple choice test and get a get a decent grade if they're a good guesser, right? So what are those things that we need to be aware of now? What are the job responsibilities that we were really, really clear on that we needed and who is this perfect candidate what they look like? Yes, definitely. So I know you like to talk about a lot of living a life of purpose. So tell us a little bit more about this and how you connect it with your clients and into their business. So one of the things I heard on the news uh, um, just recently, I'm a big NPR listener, right? That's how I get my little bit of dose of news that I actually stay up with. Um, but you may or may not have heard of uh, Greta Thunberg. Is that familiar? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so environmental uh, activist. Uh, she has Asperger's. Um, but I was listening, and here's a girl that before she was connected to something, she could barely talk to anyone. Her parents were so worried she wouldn't have a normal life. She had she didn't really have friends. She didn't talk to her parents all that much, right? But then she connected with this purpose. Um, I she I heard she watched some documentaries. She um, read some books, and then all of a sudden, it was like flipping a switch. Now this person that couldn't talk to people before is now talking to the UN. Is on all kinds of um, radio shows and she's doing interviews all over the place and even her parents said that this first well our daughter is now we actually have a daughter again right she is she seems like a normal little kid this is awesome they're just happy she's happy and that's to me the best example I can give um, with once you figure out why it is that you wake up in the morning everything else makes sense right and this can be individually or this can be organizationally right what bigger vision what bigger purpose is your company trying to serve uh, and how are we both living up to that but also being a big word i like to use is authentic about it so that we're really connecting with those people in the marketplace right um because that's a that's a big uh people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it right so Right. At least nowadays. Yeah, you know, what you were saying, it reminded me of a past experience when I was a manager in corporate and knowing that each person has their purpose and has what's going to light them up. And I had this employee, um, you know, there was a few challenges that we had to work with. And so we were working closely together on those challenges. And as we overcame those challenges, you know, there were still some times during our conversations where I was just like, things just don't seem to be going well. Like, she just doesn't seem happy. And I remember having like these, we had going back and forth of conversations and part of it we started with, okay, well, you always seem to be coming in late. I could really care less about you coming in late because we have nothing going on those first 30 minutes of the day. I'm not holding team meetings then. So would it be better for you to push your start time back 30 minutes? Would that help? She said, yes. Still, you know, the employee wasn't seeming happy. And finally, we had a conversation the one day and I remember just this blurted out of my mouth. And when it happens, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. 
but I actually set, told her, I was like, maybe this isn't the job for you. Maybe you need to figure out what else you want to do with your life. Because some of the things when I was talking to her that she was like, well, if I didn't have to do this, maybe I was happy. And I'm like, that's the job. Like, I can't change that. That's the job. And when I first like said that, I was like, oh my God, did I just tell my employee that she should like leave and quit her job? I'm like, am I going to get in trouble from my management? Because I'm telling an employee that she should leave. And like, it was definitely like this, I was so nervous and this employee ended up coming back to me a few days later and told me that that was one of the best conversations she's ever had with a manager because it made her realize that it wasn't the job for her. She wasn't happy, that there was never anything about being in this role that was going to make her happy and she needed to reconsider things and look to see what she wanted to do because what's the point of going to work every day if you're miserable? Especially when you're in a in a position where you have other options. Everyone has other options, right? That's at least the, the perspective I have. We are fortunate enough to have people want to give us their time so that we can produce a widget, we can engage customers, we can do whatever we need to in the company, right? That's a privilege. They can take that wherever they want, uh, in my opinion, right? So uh, now sometimes, yeah, there's people who haven't been uh, really engaged, right? If I if I listen to kind of that story you're you're presenting, that's that's someone that's probably never been engaged in a thought provoking conversation like that before. Yeah, no, it was definitely it was a good conversation because sometimes you just need that person to say what what is what is your purpose? You know, what's going to make you happy? What do you want to be doing? How does now what you want to be doing connect to what we do here at the company? I know a bunch of business owners that I have worked with and talked with. They, um, even with the contractors that they work with, like they'll sit down and have conversations about, okay, what's going on in your business? Because they're working with a contractor, you know, that's someone else who owns a business that they're working with, and they'll be talking to their contractors to say, what's going on with your business? Where do you want to take your business next? What's, you know, what would make you happy if you were able to test this out, explore this? And based on those conversations, sometimes they take those contractors and move them to different projects and different roles and responsibilities within their company. And it's always because they have conversations. Because they're not sitting there afraid to say, like, you know, is this really what you want to be doing? And I always tell my clients, like, you're much better off hearing from someone, whether it's an employee or a contractor, no, you guess, you know, this isn't really something I want to be doing. And then get them out of that position, replace them with someone who wants to be there, play, replace them with someone who is connected versus having someone who, even if they're not aware of it, they're not putting 100% into the role because it just doesn't drive them. I'm going to throw out a few things that are probably huge potential topics that we can talk about another time, but um, there's a few keys in that situation, right? Um, the first one um, that I see is that person is going to be in a very vulnerable spot when you get them in that conversation, right? They're like, oh crap, is this... If I answer this a certain way, am I going to lose my job? Or what? what's my pride telling me to say right now? And all these kind of other thoughts that, that may just start um, circling someone's head. But from the other side, there's got to be a high level of trust that's been built up um, to be able to get exactly. someone to kind of go through that threshold, right? To be like, okay, let's team up. Let's figure this out. Um, and if we haven't done the right thing as leaders, 
and we haven't created that relationship through communication, through support, inspiring, empowering, engaging these people, even on a short scale, but it takes some trust. Whether you're in sales or leadership, it doesn't matter, right? You've got to build up some trust quickly with people if you want them to get to a place that's uncomfortable. Yes. No, that is exactly it. You can't go in one day and being like, okay, we've worked together for three years. Now I want this to have this conversation where I want you to spill your guts and tell me if you're happy or not. Like those conversations, they take time to build there. That's the culture that you have to build with your team. And if, uh, I'm sure you'll relate to this. If we're looking for that kind of person when we bring them on, then the amount of time that it takes to build up to a conversation like that is much shorter. Yes. Right? We've taken something that could take years or months or something, and we've shortened it down to, hey, you've been here for, for two months, right? Something's off. Talk to me. That's a lot easier than, hey, here's your performance evaluation, X, Y, and Z, what's up kind of deal. Um, and I think in the most companies, uh, Effective teams, let me put it that way, um, are able to have conversations, right? Let's talk, let's brainstorm, let's get together. Uh, I know that through us talking about it, we're going to either shift the perspective or come up with a new idea, or at minimum, we've created a new awareness that didn't exist before. Yes, exactly. You know, I was just reminded of a client that I recently worked with, and he had someone that was coming on as an employee after an internship and with that employee coming on we had the conversations because this employee wasn't from the area and during the internship she was possibly going to be moving back home but then she decided she was staying and I was like you're at a position where this person says she's going to stay but she has a lot of reasons to go back home her family's there her boyfriend's there there's a lot of things to drive her to, to change her mind and move back home so it was like you need to Keep building that relationship and building that trust and keep asking the questions and, and everything to see how's it going with her adjusting to no longer being in school and now working here? How's, is she still considering you know, moving back home or is she happy here? And like he was able to develop that really trusting relationship that she did end up making the decision to move back home. But when she made that decision, she gave a good window of notice to be like, hey, listen, I decided that being away from my family, being away from my boyfriend is not the right thing for me right now. I need to move back home, but I'm going to give you, I'm giving you ample notice so you can get someone else into this position and you can figure out how you're going to handle the clients and everything that I'm serving. And it was great. And I remember that client being really hesitant of keeping that line of communication open on that topic because he was like, well, I, I, you know, sometimes like I don't want to pry into people's personal lives. I hear that all the time. And it's like, but when you make that, that trust and you make those connections, it's not prying, it's part of the conversation. And wouldn't you rather know and be able to be proactive when someone needs to leave or someone's changing rather than scrambling because they give you two weeks notice or less? Yeah, I mean, completely agree. I mean, there's a few things that come up for me out of that is uh First off, being aware of the signs, right? Sometimes we're so oblivious to what uh, either we're doing or we just don't want to um, take the time to reflect and be aware of things because any situation like you're talking about, there are signs that are happening, right? It's not like, boom, one day, holy, 
what happens. And then if you're gonna leave, usually you could start picking up on it whether you want to know it or not. Uh, and that's being honest with ourselves. But also another thing that's coming up for me from that conversation, um, especially nowadays, and you may have heard this term thrown around a bit, uh, there is really no such thing as work-life balance, right? It is all work-life integration. How do we integrate work and life? We're so connected to technology. We're so connected to uh, people nowadays like we've never been before. It's not, hey, it's this or that. It's both. Just own it. And uh, the newer generations own it a lot quicker than some of the other generations. But uh, it's all around that. So how are we going to integrate? Work, life, they all happen. How can we talk about it? How can we communicate about it? I'm not, not saying to be like, uh, the person in the workforce that comes in every day um, whining and complaining about life in general, right? But it's all real. We all have struggles, right? Um, me, you, every other person on this planet. That's uh, just part of being human. And as we own that as a leader, as we own that as someone who's developing trust with someone else, we're able to have those tougher conversations that take a lot of courage, right? It's not like we can just go in there and start talking. Hey, you know, I'm here for you. It seems like something's up. Talk to me, kind of deal. Versus, hey, your performance is down, etc. And that's kind of back to what we were saying. Yes. Yeah. No, I definitely 100% agree with that. No, I mean, yeah. one one of the big things that that I see quite often, right? And I'll, I'll throw this kind of out of the group is. The challenges people have are not as different as people think they are often, right? We get in this um, the view of the world, our paradigm, um, is only our own. We're, it is created from all of our personal experiences and everything else. So we don't really completely understand how other people do things. But I coach people at hospitals for instance that have hundreds of people reporting to them and I have I also coach I volunteer to coach at um, the University of Tampa uh, with MBA students right and hey me I too get, I'm starting there this semester well that's awesome we, <laughs> uh, we welcome you I've been doing that for five years it's, great, right. it's a great experience um, but what you end up finding is that these well, not but, and, uh, the children, I'm dating myself, I guess, when I call them children, but the, the students in these MBA programs, uh, they have this, first off, they have this perception that a CEO of a company or a leader in a company is so much different than they are. Right, and it's one of the things that I work on with students is helping them to break down those mental barriers that they put in place about what a leader is, what a CEO is, and as they start to break that down, they understand they're just people as well. And right. from a coach's perspective, you start to learn that the struggle that these kids have, though it's a little bit different, is really no different than the struggle that these leaders that have been doing it for years have. Um, quite often, I, I hear, "Well, I just feel like an imposter." Right, um, and that always throws me back. I'm like, well, you've been doing this for how many years, and yet how many people are reporting to you? I don't feel like a leader. And I'm like, well, you better be some kind of leader. I don't know how you get stuff done. Right? Um, but it, it comes to like management is the science, 
right? It's kind of what to do, how to keep things the way that they are, how to keep things moving forward. And leadership is an art form, right? And not everyone can appreciate that they're an artist. Sometimes they need help seeing that um, they have all these tools and skills that they just haven't been aware of before. Right. Yeah, it's always one of those things that like I say is when I'm working with clients, what makes it unique one person's situation to another is you're dealing with maybe a little di bit difference of like the skill set you need for a role and you're dealing with people's individual personalities. But at the end of the day, leading a team is leading a team because people always ask me like, do you work with a certain niche? And I'm like, no, because leading a team in – and construction is the same as leading a team in a high-rise office. Yes, you might have a little bit of different personalities, and they're doing a different job, but the principles of leadership are the same. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's a premise in the coaching world that I'll throw out there, though, um, and it's around uh, volatility and risk, uncertainty. It's a they call it a VUCA world, right? So there's a lot of things that, as a leader, you kind of got to be comfortable with, and that is part of the leadership piece. Um, you've got to be able to manage that volatility, that uncertainty, the risk. Uh, and in doing that, um, you become someone who people can look to and say, okay, in a time of crisis, I want to look to them because they, they may not have the answer, but they know the direction that we're going. And I think sometimes people don't trust their intuition enough in those situations to be able to say that they do it. But every industry is different, and every amount of risk that an industry can take is different. If you look at IT, uh, there's a lot more risk in something like that versus if you're talking about accounting, for instance. Uh, if there's structure and there's hopefully not a whole lot of risk in somebody doing your books, right? So. I mean, that's <laughs> give me a little bit of an example. There are there are some cultural differences. There are some um, kind of the key components of what the business is that kind of shifts around the way leadership has to kind of build their skill set and how they have to be able to engage their team. But I would also say that every single person is a leader, right? You always try to influence someone with your opinion. Will be like whatever. I've also always said everyone's a salesperson because a lot of people would come to me and be like, oh, "I'm not a salesperson." I'm like, you're trying to sell me you're not a salesperson. I get it. Um, but whether you're involved in your community, your church, you have a family. No matter what, you have the capability to inspire, empower, engage those people, and you're a leader in some way, shape, or form. You just may not. Right. No, I definitely agree with that because, you know, there's different forms of leadership. Like people always think of leading as leading down. So you're leading that team. You're leading those people beneath you. And I was like, well, there's, there's two other directions of leadership. There's leading up. So if you've ever had a boss, you have to lead up. You are just as responsible for the dynamics of that relationship sometimes as your boss is because – if something goes wrong and you have to explain what went wrong, you're leading up. You need to stay in control of that conversation. You know, there's different ways you lead up to the people above you. And then also leading to the side. You know, are you able to have those great conversations and everything with your peer group? Are you able to 
get them to see, like, you know, make decisions and get people on board to certain ideas. Like, that's all a form of leadership. So it's not just always leading down to a team of direct reports. Agreed. Yeah. All right, Chris. Well, I think that is about all the time we have for today. So I'm so excited that you'll be coming back and joining us once a month so we can dig more into some of these topics. You know, I have a whole list of things that we are going to talk about. So that way you, uh, everyone can just hear our dialogue, our different points of views on some of these topics of leadership and growing a team and managing people within a small business. So Chris, before we wrap up today, how can everybody get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me um, at www.centricleadership.com. Uh, that'd be the, my website. You can come check it out. We appreciate it. You can also um, shoot me an email, C. P-I-N-A-U-L-T at centricleadership.com. Um, and I'd love to have anybody's questions or responses about any of this stuff um, and get more engaged with your community. Awesome. Sounds great. And I will drop all those links and information into the show notes. So thank you, Chris, so much for your time today. And I look forward to having you back next month. Awesome. Appreciate it. It was fun. Did you enjoy that introduction to Chris Penault? Well, if you did, you're in luck. Chris will be back once a month for a bonus episode where the two of us will discuss and have a great dialogue about a leadership topic that impacts small businesses. Until next time, this is Jamie Van Kuyk. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com. To connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.